Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Earn Your Life podcast with David Fernandez, Jr. I am excited for this episode. I have a special friend of mine that's here with us today. He happened to be my music supervisor for my film, A Father's Journey. He is a good friend. We did that movie about five years ago. Um, he is a musician, an amazing human being, uh, an author, Hollywood entrepreneur is the, the name of his book. I'm excited to have you on board, Peter. How you doing, Peter Marin? How you doing, my brother? I'm doing great, David. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to have you, man. I, you know, I was talking to you a little bit last night, and you really touched my heart, man. And I, I kind of, you know, that's what this podcast is. It's just wanting to, to kind of share people's stories, you know, in, coming from that heart space. You know what I mean? It being being real and authentic and you you've always been that you've always shown up like that brother and so i'm just really blessed to have you on my podcast well i'm excited that you've got them i think it's wonderful i listened to a couple of the shows you put out and uh i, I think it's great i think it's great what you're doing david oh thank you my brother hey everyone everyone listening tuning in right now tell me he doesn't have a perfect voiceover voice huh he has a <laughs> voice doesn't he <laughs> Well, my brother, you know, we're going to jump right into this, man. I, I just kind of kind of want to just follow up and continue the conversation that we were having last night, you know, and I, you know, I know that right now you, you released a book, Hollywood Entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about what that book's about. Well, in uh, many people don't know this, but in 2008, I had a, a mental breakdown. Yeah. Uh, they said it was caused by a lifetime of chronic depression that went untreated. Mm -hmm. uh, except me, I, uh, I happened to uh, self-medicate, as they like to say, mm -hmm. over the years. But uh, as many of us did, I'm sure. But uh, over a period of about four and a half months, I lost 40 pounds. I became very agitated and uh, very impatient. I've got the patience of Job, uh, but that was no yeah. longer me. And I started losing my ability to concentrate. Uh, I even started use, uh, losing my manual dexterity. And uh, all of a sudden, one day, a guy asked me a question, and my answer to that question was to grab him by the throat and throw him up against a wall and damn near kill him. Mm -hmm. And uh, David, you know me, I'm not a, I'm not a angry guy. I'm not a yeah. physical guy. I'm not uh, anything. That was completely contrary mm -hmm. to my being. So my son actually grabbed me and took me and, and, and took me to my doctor who was a wonderful woman. And, uh, I was immediately put in the care of a psychiatrist mm -hmm. who uh, determined that uh, I was shot. Yeah. <laughs> I had melted down. And over the course of the next uh, two years, um, I was in treatment. I was never confined to a hospital, but I was in treatment. It got so bad that I literally could not, at times, find mm -hmm. my way home. I would have what they called fugue okay. episodes where I would be driving or walking or whatever my activity was. And suddenly I would lose perspective as to where I was. 
let's say I'm driving yeah. down the freeway. Now, I would still know I'm driving, but I wouldn't realize where I was. I might recognize the off-ramp as uh, Sepulveda mm-hmm. Boulevard or, or Ventura Boulevard, but it would not relate to anything anywhere else mm-hmm. in the world. I would be completely lost. And this could happen a half a block from my home. I wouldn't recognize my surroundings. These things would happen with great frequency. And it was very frightening at the, at the beginning. Um, I was a single father at the time to an eight-year-old girl, which, as it turned out, was a blessing because she gave me something to, to do. She gave me some semblance of order. She gave me someone to care for. Motivation to live, um, I would imagine, other- right? Well, I got to tell you, yes, of course. But I was so in such a fog that I was doing things rotely. Uh, I was doing things out of habit. I wasn't doing things out of really out of love or out of a heart position. I was doing them because they had to be done. And I was doing it was as if I was a zombie between my mental breakdown and between the drugs they were trying on me to try and help me. Um, during that first two year period from 2008 to 2010, I was, a I was a walking zombie. I was a mess. Um, and during that period of time, uh, they determined me to be permanently disabled, which I am. I can no longer now during the process of this, pardon me if I, if I it's meander okay. a bit, but jump in and interrupt or ask a question anytime you like but uh, during the process of this i lost my memory both uh short term Mm -hmm. and long term my ability to concentrate i think which affects my short-term memory even now um after all these years and my long-term memory uh was very very fuzzy and i like to refer to it as a file drawer for those of us that remember when we had file drawers. <laughs> um, and sometimes I'd open that file drawer and I'd go to the file I wanted, as in talking mm-hmm. about a memory, of course. And I would open that drawer and I'd open, go to that file. And sometimes that memory would be there. Sometimes part of the file would be gone. Sometimes the entire file's gone. And sometimes the files mm-hmm. are in the wrong order. So they're unde- they're undependable, those older memories, um, and therefore very confusing. If you can try and imagine what it's like to be in your own memories and know yeah. that they're not right, it's kind of a it's kind of a bizarre place to be. Now, to give a little context to this, my background. Um, was primarily in the entertainment business. I, I started singing professionally when I was 15 yeah. in nightclubs. Um, I was very fortunate. A man named Johnny Prophet, who was a great, great entertainer, picked me up when I was 15 and started training me. When I was 17, I got under the tutelage of a, a great singer, Andy Williams, who many of you listeners may remember. You hear him every Christmas, all the wonderful Christmas mm-hmm. songs. A lot of them are Andy's. Uh, the golf tournament here in San Diego, the San Diego okay. Open, uh, used to be Andy Williams tournament. It was the Andy Williams San Diego Open. Anyway, I used to caddy wow. for him. Uh, and he would, uh, you know, somewhat uh, take me as his protege uh, for a while. It's all in the book, <laughs> folks. But 
Um, through him, I met many, many people, including Frank Sinatra, who even uh, your young listeners would probably know yeah. that. Name. Wow. Legends, brother. Legends. I met Frank. Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah. Well, I met uh, Mr. Sinatra when I was 17. And I met him through uh, Andy Williams. And oddly enough, I, uh, Sinatra knew my father, who at this point I hadn't seen in 10 years. My dad took a hike when I was a little kid. And uh, my father and I looked very much alike. And Sinatra looked at me and said, you Petey's kid? Wow. <laughs> I said, yeah. And uh, it ended up that Mr. Sinatra and I had a very friendly uh, first name acquaintance, although I don't refer to him <laughs> as Frank very often. I always, I always felt like I was calling my dad by his first name. Yeah, it just never felt yeah, right. I always gave permission. <laughs> but uh, we, were, we were friendly up until, you know, he got sick before, you know, a few yeah. years before his death. But uh, he took care of me. He put me into a lot of good deals over the years and stuff. Anyway, I digress. My point here is that I lost a lot of memories that were pretty cool because I worked with people like Frank Sinatra and, and some of the top stars of those days, uh, not so much as a singer, which I, I, I certainly did, but uh, as a producer and a music licensor, I did shows. I produced shows with uh, Frank Sinatra's son, Frank Sinatra Jr., and the band Chicago wow. and oh, so many others, but even uh, Luciano Pavarotti, probably the arguably the, the, the finest operatic tenor of the of the yeah, yeah, 20th yeah, century yeah. Uh, so I, I was working at a pretty high level mm -hmm. in other words um, and so the memories I forgot were pretty pretty cool you know I, I had a I had a, a, a troubled yeah. but exciting life I had many successes many failures and I, so I kind of forgot all of this anyway it took me a couple of years just to get to the point of handling, once I got sick, of handling the fugue mm -hmm. episodes to the point that I could operate. But during this, a friend of mine said, start mm -hmm. singing again. Because I hadn't sung mm -hmm. professionally in many years. He said, use this as an exercise to, to strengthen your memory. Start relearning the songs you used to perform in clubs. And I did. I went out and bought what's called a real book, which is a book of songs with uh -huh. the music and the lyrics. And I have and still have a collection of CDs. And for you, for those of you that don't remember <laughs> CDs. <laughs> Times are changing, huh, brother? Times are changing. <laughs> oh, man. They're changing. I'm not even that old, I don't think. But... Uh, so I would listen to the song on the CD and I would read the words and the music in the book mm -hmm. and I'd sing along. And these were songs, David, that I, that I picked that were songs that I performed hundreds of times before. I picked my old favorites so that I had some familiarity with them. And uh, my daughter and I would, uh, <laughs> we were staying in this cockroach infested uh, one bedroom, 400 square foot apartment mm -hmm. in city heights uh gang fights day and night in the in the in the, in the square below yeah. it was it was really it was bad but that's all i could afford i mean i went from millionaire to that over over a yeah. few year period with my uh, um 
but I would stand up there and I'd entertain the neighbors singing at the top of my lungs. And uh, it was funny because, we, you know, the cockroaches and the, the neighbors. <laughs> you had an audience. <laughs> I did. And once I started to, to get a little better, uh, I sang louder and louder and I got better and better. And my point mm-hmm. is, from this, I ended up joining a band, okay. a little jazz band. And that was just a rehearsal band, no intention of performing. This was just all to get my confidence yeah. and my strength back. Um, and then uh, as I did improve, because when I was a young man, I was a good singer. Um, but I hadn't done it in many years. So, But once I got my confidence back and I'd made a couple of friends, because I didn't socialize, I didn't date for five mm-hmm. years, I didn't do anything. I was, you know, I was, a, I was pretty much a mess. But once I got my confidence back, we went out and started gigging okay. around town. We had a little group called Jazz Club. And so now I started feeling mm-hmm. viable again. I went from living in a dark little cockroach infested place with my daughter, singing the same song over and over and over until after about four weeks or so, I could look away from the page to sing that song. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it was. And when I did, my daughter and I both broke down in tears. We were so happy that I could sing a song from memory. And that gave me hope. And that meant I could sing two songs. There you go. There you go, brother. I love that. I love And before long, I was working in a band. And before long, I was working Mm -hmm. out in front of public. And and within a couple of years, David, I recorded Mm -hmm. a CD. And that CD is still selling out there. You know, I mean, it's not it's not making me any money, you know, but I mean, I've got it's it's on jazz stations around the world. And this is from a guy that in 2008 couldn't find his way home. I still am recovering. Still half the brain and, and I shouldn't say half, but I am still diminished in terms of abilities. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't work for somebody. Um pressure comes on and, and my brain shuts down i it's like you take a deck of cards and you go yeah with them you know with your hands that's what happens in my brain when the <laughs> pressure gets on it just goes it flips out and so i just step back and relax and you know but i couldn't yeah yeah, yeah so let me ask saying? you so how, how did you yeah. get to that place of realization that you wanted to in essence kind of like share from your experience and um, give back, you know what I'm saying? Like, because people, anybody can, you know, go and purchase your book and get some valuable, um, you know, lessons or golden nuggets or whatever you would want to call them from, you know, your, your, your life. And there's so much hope in, in what I've been hearing when it comes to you, my brother, because, you know, how many people can say they went from millionaire and, you know, to hit rock bottom and to now slowly but surely climbing your way back up. And uh, to me, that's like the richest person in the world to be able to do something like that. You know what I'm saying? So I want to I want to, you know, talk about that. Like, how does it feel? Okay. How does it feel to to have your story, you know, on paper in a book where someone can pick it up and it might even give them hope or inspire them. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's so beautiful to me, you know? Well, a couple of things. 
first of all, let me preface this with my life has never been in mm -hmm. pursuit of money. I shouldn't say never. Uh, my life has been Got driven it. by passion. When I have gone after a deal uh, or um, I've gone after a profession, I've mm -hmm. done it with passion. Whenever I have gone after a deal with the intent or the attraction of it because of the money it would make, more often than not, it did not mm -hmm. live up to its mm -hmm. promise. Um, and oftentimes didn't even work out when it was based on just yeah. the financial aspect. And I've found in my life, what works for me is passion mm -hmm. and relationships. Good things come to me yeah. through friends and acquaintances. Um, and I bring good things to other people through yeah. that as well. For instance, you met Frank through me and he yes, brought you great music. Indeed. And you and and I brought you to Frank, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. And I've done this all my life. I've mixed mixed people, I've mm -hmm. matched people together and for fun mm -hmm. and profit. Um, but I work through relationships mm -hmm. and I work through passion. Okay, that having been said, I made money in spite of myself because mm -hmm. that wasn't my goal. So when I lost the money, that wasn't a heartbreaker for me because it never mattered. I made lots of money as a young man and never thought it would stop. And of course it did. When it did, I just kept going. And when I followed my passion, mm -hmm. money always came. And when I had to try and just get money, I found out mm -hmm. that wasn't right for me. So I discovered follow my passion. So when I started coming back to the surface, yeah. so to speak, with my mental health to where I could see somewhat clearly again and started renewing a passion with, mm -hmm. with singing again, that gave me a feeling of being viable socially. I went from being in that dark apartment mm -hmm. with my daughter and not really socializing because I couldn't even hold mm -hmm. a conversation to being viable as a singer. So I would walk into a club and people would call my name mm -hmm. because they knew me as a singer. And I'd have a light conversation because I knew if I got into a deep one, I'd forget what we were talking about mm -hmm. and I'd embarrass myself. So I would use what skills socially I had to go as far as I could socially, but I'd get up and sing and everybody'd love me. Hey, Peter, let me buy you a drink. You want to sit here for a minute? I socially had a position. I was viable once again. I had my passion, which was singing, that I could share with people and it mm -hmm. made me feel wonderful. Before I had nothing to share. Yeah. When I was sick. So I started to believe that the best thing for me, and at, at this point, by the way, was off the medications because they damn near killed yeah. me. And once I got myself weaned off all those, those medications, I started seeing more clearly. I, I, I had no filters and I still don't. I cry at a commercial or, to, or, or at a sad story or at a happy story. Hey, we're a lot I of cry life. in the middle of a thing. <laughs> You know, but I, I, I wear that as a, as a badge of honor yeah. now, David, that, that, that I'm that sensitive. At first, it was a little awkward, but I'm okay with it now. You know what? There's but, something to say uh, there really so, quick, brother, regarding like vulnerability, right? Is that I feel um, for me, at least for me, I can speak for myself. Vulnerability has been such a strength for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I've been able to make and have connections and have experiences that are like magical and beautiful because 
of the vulnerability. You know what I mean? So it's, so yeah, obviously, you know, when we begin to dive into our emotions or, or the vulnerability, it's, it's, it's obviously it can be scary. It can be uncomfortable. It can be all that, but isn't it beautiful to find that freedom and just be able to feel what you feel when you feel it and not worry about anything else, brother. Doesn't it feel great? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, people become a bit uncomfortable, especially I think. Yeah, with man for sure. But once they understand that it's a mm-hmm. pure emotion and it's not a weakness, Absolutely. then they welcome it. You know, my, fr- my friends and family understand me now that it's that it's just part of me. It's okay. I, I cry at dinner during conversation. That's, with that's kids. beautiful. You know, I love that. I love that, brother. I love that. So to answer your question, yeah. how the book came about is friends, newer friends that I've made, like you, that I've made on this mm-hmm. side of my sickness, uh, on this side of my recovery, don't necessarily know mm-hmm. that I'm sick because my my where I'm diminished doesn't show up in a grand yeah. way. It shows up when you're with mm-hmm. me all the time. It shows up in little ways, like silly things like copying and pasting yeah. on a computer. There are certain exercises like that that don't stick with me on my brain. I got to ask you every time, mm-hmm. how do I do this? Um, little nagging things that'll just make you crazy. Thank God, the love of my life, Kim. She's just so patient and understands all these little quirks with my brain. And she, you know, works with me. She deals with oh, me. What, a, what a gift. What a blessing, brother. So it's through people that have heard my story that said, man, you should write a book. You could help a whole bunch of people with recovery and this and that. And so I said, yeah, I'll try. I've never written a book. And by this time, many memories have come back or I think they've come back. I may not be remembering them correctly. Um, and so I sat down to try and or not to try, but to start to write this book about three years ago, two and a half, okay. three years ago now, David. And I didn't know where to start. So I started at the beginning. I started with the line. I Well, let's see. I started with the line. Awesome. I'll read it. It seems, I, it seems I was determined to be in and around show business. As a young child, maybe three or four years old, my father brought home his friend, Jimmy Rogers. Now, Jimmy Rogers, I'm not reading anymore. Jimmy Rogers, at the time, this is in the late 50s, 1950s, um, Jimmy Rogers was a big star, almost as big uh, as Elvis Presley at Mm -hmm. the time. So it it seems like I was fated to be in the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started at the beginning of my life and just kind of wrote chronologically because I kind of felt I wasn't the guy to deliver some big, heavy message about telling people how to get Mm -hmm. well. But in the book is the chapter that I talk about my feeling and my advice, if you want to call it advice, on what works for me and what I do believe will work for, for others. And that is to get out of yourself, get into something that's passionate. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's singing. For me, it's singing. Uh, it could be painting. It could be gardening where you grow flowers or vegetables. It could be anything that you get yourself into. But I think a key is 
that it's something that you can share with others, that you can yeah, give to others beautiful. so that you can get out of yourself and include others and therefore make yourself viable in their lives. Because I think we need to be inclusive of other people. Yeah. Um, we need other people. We need to be part of other people. So if we're passionate about something, mm -hmm. doesn't matter what. We get lost in that. And therefore, we forget our trouble. And therefore, we realize there's something bigger than our trouble. And that gives us hope. Yeah. And if we share that with someone, then, then we as a person and our passion are accepted by that other person or persons. And we are given love and giving love. And we're viewed as being viable and no longer being viewed as just our disease yeah. or our disability. And it, 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 it set me off on a pattern of success. Yeah. There's something I, I write in about the book about the term permanent, permanently disabled. Mm -hmm. It is a very, very dangerous label to have on mm -hmm. you. I don't like mm -hmm. it. Now, I love the fact that it's given me, you know, and, and me and millions of others, I'm sure, a bit of a financial cushion mm -hmm. and, some, and some insurance help because God knows it's needed. Um, I mean, without it, my daughter and I would have been homeless and just another statistic, yeah. but, um, to, to, when somebody looks at you and says you are permanently disabled and they hand you paperwork that says permanently disabled, it, it puts, it puts a monkey mm -hmm. on you. It's really yeah. pretty fucked up. It labels you with a ceiling, a low ceiling mm -hmm. over your head. Because it says if you make any more money than X over what we give you, we're going to take your benefits mm -hmm. away. So it says, don't try too hard. Don't try to break out of this box too hard. Or we're going to take away your Yeah, security. that's very profound right there, what you're saying right now, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's scary. Yeah. It's because you get somebody like me. I can sing. So I can get up on a bandstand and sing. Now, I get up there with the music and lyrics because mm -hmm. I don't remember them like I did when I was a kid and I can entertain people and I can tell stories, but I can't work for a living. And there's very few people that can support themselves yeah. as singers. Um, I make now what I used to make 50 years ago, singing mm -hmm. in nightclubs. It hasn't mm -hmm. changed. Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad it is. But, uh, and, uh, about writing a book. Well, I'll let your 40,000, 50,000 followers tell us if I can write a book. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. Now, what's but, the name of the book and where, where can they find it? Well, it's called Hollywood Entrepreneur, and the subtitle is Behind Practice mm. Smiles. And uh, it can be found on Amazon. And uh, it can be acquired in paperback, in ebook. Or in uh, audiobook, I went ahead and recorded the audiobook, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. I'm very happy with it. Uh, I did that with uh, my dear friend and sometime singing partner. Uh, um, I just spaced out. I do that once in a while. Right. Man. Um, yeah. Anyway, she's great. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> 
This, this is yeah. what happens, folks. I went to the file and it wasn't there. And trust me, she's a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, Frank. I mean, Peter, sorry. I, I, I'm thinking of Frank right now. Yeah, Can you believe you that? Hey, no, honestly, I was thinking of, of yeah. Frank right now because you brought him up a little earlier. But um, that may, it makes yeah. me want to connect with him. But uh, I, I wanted to, you know, it's already, we're close to the 30-minute mark or whatever. We're about to wrap it up pretty soon, right? And I always like to ask this okay. question to, to wrap things up. Um, when it comes to, you know, your life, and, uh, and let's say for, for now, you have the microphone to the world, my brother, right? What, w- what would you tell the world when it comes to, to, uh, to life or anything that, that you would want to share to them and, they're li- and them listening right now? I am now 65 years old. I have lived a very full and exciting life. And the one thing I would tell everybody is to live honestly. Live your, with yourself honestly. For many years, I was a drug user. And um, therefore, I had to lie to myself and to those around me. I was even married once to a woman who did not know that I was a cocaine user. I was a very, very high, high uh, level and high producing or high functioning addict for many years. Uh, Why I'm saying this is because I lied to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And when you're holding something back, you cannot love or be loved completely. So do anything you got to hide and you'll uh, love yourself and be able to love other people. That's the lesson I think I've learned. Oh, that's powerful, my brother. I I really appreciate you. And I really appreciate your time. And uh, I feel like this is our second chapter together. We're going to be doing some work together. I already see it. Um, So I'm excited. I'm excited for the near future, my brother. Um, Thank you once again um, for taking the time and being here with us. And, you know, if you want to know a little bit more about Peter, go check out his book. Um, it's, it's going to be a beautiful read and, uh, you know, you'll be able to walk away with something beautiful because this man is beautiful. You know what I'm saying? You have that, a great heart brother and, uh, it shines, you know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that, uh, we got a chance to be here today. Thank you very much, David. I feel the same about you. You know yes, that, sir. My brother. Thank you. And, uh, for everyone tuning in and listening, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the time to, to be with us here today. Um, once again, we got to earn this. We got one short life to live in this body. Let's go for our dreams. Let's fall down and get back up. Let's, let's cry and be laughing five minutes later. Let's experience all of it because life is very fragile, very sacred, and it's really, really beautiful. So let's make the best out of it. Let's earn it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Take care. Earn your life. Thank you, Peter. Thank you.